I'm not on the screen. This is the kind of week I've been having, y'all. Welcome back to the channel. <laughs> I'm Sarah Higdon. I'm your host. This is Transform to Freedom. Um, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm I am getting to be kind of tired. I work a lot. So um so welcome back. Um last week I was a busy week. I got to go to Nashville for a few days for a an event. So we were doing an event um, for the people who were sponsoring this event. The event was by Iron Light Labs. Um, Iron Light, great organization. The festival, it was awesome. Um, we had a film. Uh, there was a film festival on Wednesday night, and then um, where we we showed one of our documentaries that we're um now scheduling out to premiere pretty soon to the world we're like doing the whole process there um and it was really good and then thursday there was this whole conference of speakers and i mean i won't lie like it was very like it was it was a heavy conference but it was honestly one of the most like inspiring conferences I've ever been to. Like just hearing some of these people tell their stories of, you know, being sex trafficked, um, being addicted to drugs. And now they're not, they're completely sober, um, how they've turned their lives around and how they've actually used their past, this past trauma to move forward and then to do good in the world. It was just so inspiring. We had um, Tyree Nichols, um, two sisters were there where they did a little interview th with them. Um, there was another story of a woman who was it? She was, she was sentenced to prison as a teen got out um, and now basically runs an organization that um, that um, is like a staffing agency for people that have been in prison so they can get their lives back together once they get out out of prison and, it, and it's really really awesome there uh, one of the biggest stories and actually i i am looking forward to um helping this person she told her story and one of her things that she like her organization now does is after somebody's been trafficked um and they've you know a lot of times what goes with trafficking comes like the trafficker will then brand a person with tattoos and everything and so her organization Oh, and then so what happened after her story was she got out and when she went to go get her branding tattoo covered up, actually one of the tattoo artists that was doing it, she was almost victimized again because she was, um, he was making all these sexual comments and everything like that. And she just felt very uncomfortable again, getting this, this, you know, this branding covered up on her, on her arm. So what her, her company does and, um, she's right here in Atlanta, so we're gonna uh, we're talking about working, doing some work together, and I want to help her out as as much as I can. So what they do is they actually get people that have been in that same situation, and they make sure that they work and they can get those 
tattoos, those branded tat like those brandings covered up or even removed now. Um with and make sure that like that scar that was forced upon them at one point um is is no longer it, it can turn something deep and dark into something beautiful it's beautiful art on your arm or like i said you can get it taken off but that's what they're doing there so it was a great story and then the end of the day was actually the uh the lead singer of blue october he kind of told his entire story with drugs and alcohol and being addicted to meth and all this stuff while he was basically become be, while he was famous and his songs were going big and everything like that, but how he was doing drugs and all this stuff. And so he was telling his story at the same time he would then cut between a story and sing a song that he wrote and that they put out at that time. And so it was just very, just a powerful, powerful day. Honestly, my face was hurting so much um, from crying so much, but it was like these people's stories were so powerful and impactful. Like I've always said kind of here, I always feel like I want to do like as much as I can to, you know, help the world and change the world. And so just listening to a lot of those stories just makes me want to even do more no matter how tired I am because yeah, I'm kind of exhausted because I got home on Friday evening, went writing on uh, I, I, I was writing for the post millennial this weekend and now I'm back here with y'all today. And so it's just, it, but it, it makes like those stories make me want to work harder. Um, and, and yeah, so it was a, it was an, a fantastic event along with that um actually you'll see some, you might have seen even some of the pictures it was really cool too because then we had some like different different like social events while we were there so one of the ones we went to like one of those kind of immersive like dinner experiences where it was actually just like you kind of like walked through this like haunted house and it was like free roam haunted house compared to like guys you threw and so there's different, it was kind of like a pick your, pick your own story at this place. It was, it was really fun. Um, and you'll see some of those pictures. Um, you, my title screen was the Halloween party. We did that night. Um, my costume and everything like that. I just went like as a goth person. So um, I think that's going to be my new style though. Like doing the spider web um, eyeliner on the face. I think that was actually pretty cool. So I'm going to start just wearing that all the time now. I don't know. And I do have like the, uh, the dark, uh, ombre nails right now and dark, the black and purple. So <laughs> it is Halloween tomorrow. So happy Halloween to everybody. Oh, moving into, so Thursday for the people, we also released our, we also had our world premiere on Twitter and YouTube of our documentary everybody's welcome or everyone is welcome and honestly everybody needs to go see this film like if you haven't like here i'm gonna pull i'm gonna pull this up real quick like if you haven't you need to go see this film Where is it? because it's about i, I may have told y'all that i was in dc about um 
what a month ago i was in dc where we did an act we did our our film premiere like the premiere of this like right after i got hired up for the people we did a a, a screening of it in dc Rand paul spoke everything it was awesome this documentary everybody needs to go see it's about the it's about the big board in dc and if you're in dc go visit the big board like go support support the big board um eat there they have great hamburgers great atmosphere great drinks and and eric who's the owner is absolutely amazing i've talked to a lot of their staff like their entire staff is so awesome go and support them when if you're ever in dc but what happened is so during like the covid lockdowns and everything like that when um when they were doing everything but when the dc government put a mandate out that all businesses in dc had to implement you know had to check people's vaccine statuses so they had to have like these vaccine mandate like it was a, it was the dc vaccine mandate but they were making um restaurant owners and business owners completely like check people's medical records when they came in um that before they came in like they had they had to make sure that they were vaccinated all this um he stood up against that he said you know i i don't believe that we should discriminate against anybody when we and they come to this bar for any reason so um i'm not gonna do that and the full dc government came down heavy on eric and the big board and it's all kind of and at, like right after like we jumped in uh for the people started documenting this um got the buckeye institute involved in helping eric's case and we documented it all so it's it kind of wraps up what it is right now and what's going on now and you can follow the story um you can actually track eric's lawsuit on the buckeye institute website but if you go onto the website you can see that um but well if you watch eric still has is now basically gone on the offensive and is suing the dc government and some uh, other organizations and basically his lawsuits and supporting eric in these lawsuits this these lawsuits really could set the precedent to make sure that government never oversteps in that way again um so it's really important that everybody go check that out it's on you, you can see it's on the screen go to the free, free the people twitter account you can go to our our um our youtube channel our youtube channel it's the first video on that right now and if you go just check it out watch the video share it with your friends like we're trying to get it to where everybody has seen this film because everybody needs to see this film um but yeah i mean and then while you're there definitely make sure you click the subscribe button and follow button on twitter and youtube and 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 keep track of everything that we're doing because we're doing some amazing stuff like we released our um another episode of comedy is murder a couple weeks ago we got another episode of adults are talking with andrew heaton coming up so doing some amazing things and then we have um matt kibbe's um kibbe on liberty blaze tv show we're we're on all platforms as well so definitely just go subscribe over there too and so now i'm going to get off my soap like get off my uh <laughs> as the so you guys, I mean, full disclosure, y'all know I, I'm very passionate about what we're doing at Free the People. Um, I'm the digital marketing manager. So it is my my job to make sure like 
y'all see it and make sure everybody sees it. So, um, but I really am passionate about everything that we're doing over there. So this isn't just like me, like doing my job. No, no, no. I'm telling you this because I'm really, I wouldn't work there if I didn't think we weren't doing good stuff. Right. Um, and all that also to say that again, this channel, like this, this show, um, is my opinions. It is not representative necessarily of free the people's like as an organization opinion. Um, they don't sponsor this show. Um, just because, um, I want to be able to speak freely, even if I disagree with, uh, even if they, even if some people in our organization may disagree with what I say, I'm allowed to speak freely on this channel. So it's not really indicative of everything that free the people believes. Um, this is my, my show. Um, not necessarily their show, but I am very passionate about that. And if you guys do like me, definitely go check their stuff out. Okay. So, and so, um, I am going to jump into, let me see what, what do I want our first story to be today? Y'all, um, I actually have to see something because I wrote one article yesterday, which is not out yet. Or it wasn't when we started the show. So I want to see if it is. Um, and I might just have to talk about it off the cuff. That might be what it is. Um, so I'll, wait, I'll save that till last. So if you didn't see these videos yes, this, this weekend, um, Hillary Clinton got called out twice this weekend. Um, twice. Um, I forget what the first one was about. It was about her record and it was kind of eerie when she basically told the person who was confronting her at this, uh, asking her a question. Um, she basically said, I'll, I'll, I'll wait for you. I'll wait for you after the, after this presentation, just go away. Now I'll wait for you basically outside. And I couldn't help but think of the meme that was like, you know, Hillary literally just said, catch me outside. How about that? Um, and everybody was like, yeah, that's, I mean, she's not this, just make sure you, you tell people like you're not suicidal because, um, <laughs> it's the Clintons. You just never know. Um, and so this story, another man confronted Hillary and asked, you know, like, why, um, why did your husband visit Epstein Island 26 times? Um, and this is kind of the picture of what happened. Let's see. I think we got a video of it in here. Yeah, here we go. Then you want somebody who's going to get up every day. Hey, Hillary, why'd your husband visit Epstein Island 26 times? Uh-oh. Is this really necessary, sir? Hey, is this necessary, officer? 
Seriously, come on. Hey, it's just necessary, guys. Don't hit me now. You guys are dragging somebody out. Private event. You decide. Why do you guys support like just endless government spending? I mean, she's giving more money to white people in Ukraine than you freaking idiots in Houston can go to. Endless money to Ukraine. Endless money for Israel. She's not anti-establishment. You guys work the same shit over and over again. Same crime. It's gonna be like just like Chicago. You guys love this shit. All right, you have a blessed day, sir. Um, and so this was. Let me see. That this is um. Alex Rosen. Yeah. So he posted. Um, I'm not suicidal. I didn't kill myself. Let me actually go to his page. Let me see. If you don't know who Alex Rosen is, actually, I realized before this, I, I already followed him on social media. So I was like, okay, what he does is like his rumble channel. Um, what is it? Predator poachers live. I think is what the whole thing is, but predator poachers, they are the ones that actually go and confront child predators like they do stings themselves and then film it and then like they meet up with these pedophiles and then they go and um they film that encounter and then basically call the police when they're there with all the evidence and the police usually arrest the people that are there and so he's a big he's a big guy i mean they dragged him out of this place by a shirt like they didn't even try to subdue him um, he actually had a yeah. Here we go. Here, this is his video. This is Secret Service. Oh, that's great. I mean, I'm gonna leave now. Yeah. Can I get some information? Absolutely not. Like, yeah. Oh. Suicidal, by the way. Yeah, I'm not suicidal either. Totally love life, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, so that's actually Secret Service. And then they try to ask for information now. If you know your rights, they don't actually have the right to get any of your information. He was probably right not to hand it to him because as soon as he hands over an ID to the Secret Service, then they know where, where he lives. And they, I mean, they could probably already go look him up. They're the Secret Service. But at the same time, like with with the Clintons background, I'm not I'm not I'm not giving me I'm not talking I'm not talking to them either. I mean, that is exactly how you handle the Fed. Just walk away, laugh in their face and don't talk to them. Um, but these, I, I mean, they have, I mean, it's good stuff, but, um, I thought it was, it's really funny because yeah, Hillary doesn't want to answer these questions. Um, somebody else commented on this too, though. And they, they were talking about, um, they, they called him a liar about, 
you know, Clinton being at Epstein Island when actually it was community note. Uh, community notes actually wrote a, wrote a note on there that said that um, from witness testimony during the uh, Galen Maxwell trial that um, witnesses had placed um, Bill Clinton at Epstein Island multiple times. So if you really do care about, you know, human trafficking, children, sex, sex slaves, then um, you're going to ask those questions about Hillary and you should um, because during the trial, there was witness testimony to the fact that he was, he, he had visited. Now we still don't have the client list, which is kind of amazing, right? Let's talk about like the whole Epstein list. Like we know who was at January 6th. Like we know everybody who attended January 6th. Most people, some people that were not even at January 6th were, were um, questioned about January 6th. Um, actually, the head of the Proud Boys wasn't even there and he got sentenced for like conspiracy um, or something like 16 years or something like that for conspiracy, um, which is, again, wasn't even there. Um, Owen Schroyer from InfoWars protested, never entered the building, got time uh, for that. Um, yet, they still can't tell us who visited Epstein Island. Like, what are they covering up? I'm pretty sure there's going to be some high, high profile names from, honestly, uh, quite honestly, it's going to be from both sides of the aisle. Republican, Democrats, everybody was hanging out with, you know, Jeffrey Epstein and visiting the island. So they just, they don't want us to know um, who was, who was actually there because of everything there's a lot of people that should have been, should be charged for with what happened and, and going there and the, and the human trafficking aspect of that. Um, it's, it's insane that we don't, we don't have that, that information yet. Right. Absolutely insane. Um, but you want to talk about the fed. You want to talk about the fed not doing their job. How about we talk about another mass shooting in Maine and just like, just like always, authorities were warned about the mass shooter. Local police stations in Maine, every single one of them, every single one of them were told about this person. Like that there was a potential. There was statewide awareness alert about who this person was, and yet they did nothing. How many times do we see over and over and over and over again, honestly, at the point where every time one of these mass shootings makes national headlines now, my first thought, and it's usually accurate now, is how much, like, you know, the FBI at least knew about this guy, right? And how much did they know, though? And so they know a whole hell of a lot. But it makes me wonder, like, 
go back to remember the uh the shooting in Colorado at the gay nightclub, right? Where they knew the shooter, they knew that there was these patterns. Colorado is one of the few states in the country, and I don't support red flag laws, but they have red flag laws. So if if you're not if if your red flag laws are not catching this person, then what's the point of even having them? I mean, you go into a bar and you you start shooting a a nightclub where they serve alcohol is a gun free zone, right? And you know about this person beforehand, so your laws are not working at all. Your gun free zones don't work, obviously, because it just makes people easy targets. And two. Your red flag laws didn't didn't prevent this from happening because this person was known to you. Like this happens over and over and over and over and over, um, to the point where I could put on my tinfoil hat and start looking at like the MK Ultra experiments and stuff like that, and be like, "Is is this something being pushed by the Fed to try to enact more gun control or distract from something else?" I'm not saying that's what's happening. But it makes you question things, doesn't it? It makes you really question what the Fed actually knows, and what they're what 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 is actually happening behind the scenes of these things. Because again, they knew who this person was. When you know who this person was, why don't you do anything? Like why don't why don't you have patrols on this person, watching what they're about to do? Like why don't you have somebody tailing this person twenty four seven if you really think that they are a danger to society? It makes sense, right? Like the outlet had said that they, he was an army reservist, allegedly threatened his base as well as other soldiers. And law enforcement, we made, we added extra patrols. We did that for about two weeks to this guy's house. The guy never showed up. Um, to the to the army base, that's what it was. So they 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 added patrols. The guy never showed up to the base. Basically, kept saying they visited his home, couldn't locate him. Like, yeah, and then um, like through the summer, two weeks in the summer, he was hearing voices and threats to shoot up a military base, like continuous behavior like these types of things how are you not able to stop this like how are you not able to find like they and it also makes sense now if they couldn't find him before this happened then um that they found him with a bullet in his head but they weren't able to find him before he committed suicide like you know, these types of things keep happening over and over and over. And I've talked about it on here. You know, mental health issues are a huge issue or a huge thing. But part of what I've talked about on here, um, I, I, cause I, I don't believe that we, we, um, I don't think we have a constitutional right to take away people's guns for mental health issues, especially when you, when you start to look at it and say that if we, if we took, if we took away people's constitutional rights to the second amendment for mental health issues, then they would be, then the left would basically deem 
conservatism as a mental health issue and take away their take away your guns, take away your rights, all your rights, because it wouldn't just stop at the first at the Second Amendment would stop at all your amendments because you're not, you know, coherent enough to even have the First Amendment or Fourth Amendment and all this other stuff. So we don't we don't do that with our rights. And I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> but you, you just it doesn't it doesn't make sense. Oh yeah, so mental health aspect of it though. So but the thing is, I, I think that we are too much reliant on these medications and SSRIs and 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 all that. So if you're taking SSRIs, 40% of people show emotional numbness um, when they take SSRIs. And I, I always, you know, kind of go to, you know, maybe when we're taking SSRIs, if we're numbing our emotions then we're also numbing our conscience. And that is why we are seeing a huge spike in crime because people are, people's conscience are gone. Um, yeah, go, John, definitely. I like that idea, you know, go smoke some. That's a great alternative. No, I mean, I'm not suggesting it as a, I'm actually not gonna suggest that as an alternative. I take that back YouTube. Um, but I will say I, when I, I got off SSRIs a couple years ago, I was on Lexapro for about a year and I basically traded that in for a, a gym membership and Delta eight, which is legal here in Georgia for, um, situational anxiety, um, on top of some other stuff. I, I, I would love to try some other stuff, which I, I have tried some stuff and it worked pretty well where in places where it's legal. Um, but yeah, it, it just makes yeah, psych. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I'm doing. I'm saying psych. Didn't mean that YouTube didn't mean it at all. <laughs> um, we wait, where is it? Weed keeps me from, from deleting people. Yeah. Um, yeah, you definitely don't want to do that. That's um, okay. Um, yes, I'm always a big fan of counseling and everything like that for anxiety and, and any, any mental health issues that you have. So that is definitely... Um, <laughs> Weed makes me lazy and depressed. Yeah, I mean, I get it. Um, not the, not so much the depressed part, but let's see. Yeah, J. Cole says, how is he not searched for and hunted down for threat in a military installation in specific unit? That makes no sense. Yeah, you would actually think like a military unit with the intel agencies that they have attached to them and everything like that. You would think that they uh, they would actually go and find this person, right? Like they would be able to find this person fairly easily because they have intel. Like they know what they're doing. Like we're able to go find people in the remote areas of Afghanistan, but we can't find somebody in in Maine. I, I don't get that. 
maybe <laughs> maybe you, me, and all of the Brad Palumbo crew can go out and eat mushrooms together. That is my depression meds, pot, my anxiety meds. Um, I don't I don't know if Brad does mushrooms. I don't think he does. I don't want to speak for Brad. I, don't, I I've never done mushrooms with Brad, so I can't I can't speak on that. I don't think he does though. I think Brad's Brad's fairly Brad's fairly straight laced, honestly. Um, I don't even think Brad drinks. Just um, <laughs> um, which is which is again is 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 cool. But um, actually, I mean, yeah, like weed weed doesn't make me depressed. I started getting very lethargic when I went with weed, so I don't I don't do it very much anymore it i don't i don't like it as much as other things um so i would rather just kind of stay away from that but yeah and especially when you take like a heavy edible it's it's not good and delta 8 edibles are just as strong as if not stronger than delta 9 edibles so which is like all we have here in georgia is delta 8 edibles because it's legal I'm going to keep saying that because that's legal here. It's actually legal nationwide. So, yeah. Oh, Paul, you just you just discovered Brad and love his personality. He seems incredibly intelligent. Yeah, Brad's, Brad's a great dude. Brad is a friend. Um, I worked with Brad um, at the beginning of last year. I worked with Brad at the beginning of last year. Um, his business partner and co-founder of base politics hannah cox is one of my best friends uh, she lives here um as well and so we hang out quite a bit and so um yeah i just that whole crew um obvious they're they're awesome like i've done brett's show um he's been on here hasn't he he did come on here yeah um and and i yeah i just it's great people great people we got a big group of liberty minded people like space and it's always fun um you are right sarah heroin and coke are a lot better i honestly no i've actually no i won't so there's there's some things i won't touch especially now um heroin is something i would never i never had any inkling to touch um, because, um, they're like the big three were things that I would never, I would never try. Um, I, I kind of consider, I think the big three that's, um, crack heroin. And meth, I think are the, are the top three that I'm like, yeah, those are the, those are the big three that it's like, um, never touch those, um, especially as I've had too many people that were close to me, um, like, I don't even know, you know, just, um, yeah, personal stories of people that have just battled with addiction with those things. It's like, those things are stuff I would never touch. And especially now. And, and Coke goes into that now because it's like, all of those things are now being laced so heavily with fentanyl. And yeah, I remember I, I was in, um, 
I I enjoy the rave scene. Um, I've enjoyed the rave scene, um, especially like during 2020. I was kind of I was DJing a little bit. I was learning to DJ and doing some of the rave stuff. And I, I knew a lot of people doing those doing some of that stuff. And now it's like you just everything's getting laced with fentanyl. And I know that, you know, you go to festivals and stuff like that and you can be safe about it. Um, but not with those heavy ones, those heavy ones, it's too easy to get addicted to. And honestly, it goes back to what I was talking about at the be very beginning of this show. When the, the conference I was at last week, every single person that was at this conference was talking about their addictions with, with crack and heroin and, and, uh, and even just alcohol and everything and, and how that affected their lives um, and, and the places that they were in. And yeah, it's just not, it's just not, a. am in such a good place in my life. It just would never be productive for me to do any of that stuff right now. And, and yeah, fentanyl, it's just, it's, it's the killer. That's going to, it's going to kill way too many people because everything's being cut with it. So don't do drugs, okay? Just don't do them. Because too many lives can be ruined. Um, you can ruin your life. You can ruin other people's lives just by just by doing drugs. So, um, yeah, the, the big three, though, big four now, add it up in there. I don't know how we went down that road. But here we are. <laughs> yes, I, I, I this is uh, fully serious. Yes, don't do drugs and stay in school. Like fully, fully. Um, and at the same time, I'd say I think our our war on drugs has been a complete and utter failure. Um. It, just because something's wrong and you shouldn't do it doesn't mean that it should be a, it, that we, uh, part of the issue, I think with some of these bigger drugs is that because they're illegal, that's the reason why they're being cut so deeply with fentanyl. If we could actually regulate some of this stuff, it would be a little bit different story, but, um, getting stuff any, and that's the thing is anytime you ban something, it goes to the black market and makes it infinitely worse. Like it's the way it works. And then you also add in organized crime, which is now gang crime um, that explodes and thrives in a system where you have black markets for these types of things. Yes. Yeah. When, yeah, I guess when you engage with the chat, you know, the conversation goes all over the place, which I do love to ramble. And so this is, this is kind of good. And this is, this is, it, it, it really goes, it's really interesting. <laughs> yeah. I, I think you're right. Fentanyl is the real pandemic. Um, you know, it's interesting though. Cause I, I mean, I know a lot of people with um, just alcohol problems and alcohol is a huge issue. What's really interesting to me, and this is, I've talked about this before on this channel. We were kind of talking about it a little bit earlier is that like, 
alcohol, tobacco, and some of these other stuff are incredibly addictive. SSRIs and, and painkillers that you can get a prescription for are incredibly addictive. And those are considered still under drugs. And when when like Vice and when Vice News comes out with an article that actually in multiple years now running, they point out that mushrooms are actually the safest drug out there, yet they're illegal. And they've also have um, benefits that they've shown benefits in, in, in clinical trials to um, help with PTSD and other medication. Um, ketamine is another one with ketamine psychotherapy. LSD psychotherapy, like all of these types of things have been shown to help with anxiety, depression. Like there's a point, like they, I, I read something where they think that LSD psychotherapy could literally be the Holy grail when it comes to mental health medication, especially when it, and it could actually cure PTSD. And I've heard it's been known to cure alcoholism in and of itself. And yet we can't even like, we can't even elect to try LSD psychotherapy. Like this is my whole thing is like with this type of stuff, the right to try act should be expanded from, you know, terminal patients that want to try life-saving drugs should be expanded to all treatments to where if I want to experiment with LSD psychotherapy, I should be allowed to because it's my body, my choice, and I'm doing it under the care of a provider. Like that is what should, should happen. I mean, the study that I read, and these are still early studies, they've shown very promising results for somebody with deep PTSD. They've shown promising results that they will have lasting effects after three sessions of LSD psychotherapy that will last over 12 months. They, they find the benefits last well over 12 months, at least 12 months, because at the time I read the study, they had only test it was only 12 months long. And so as those studies go out further and further, we're seeing benefits and be more benefits. And so I know a lot of people that are on SSRIs that have told me that they would love to try these more natural medicines with the help of a therapist. Um, and you're not allowed. Like if I want to go out and do mushrooms, which I would never do, um, because it's illegal, then because it, it because I, I, I understand that they may, they, they have, you know, good health benefits on especially anxiety and other stuff. And they kind of help to restructure the brain molecules or something, something happens there and they help restructure things that I'm not allowed to, even though I'm a veteran with diagnosed anxiety, insomnia, and PTSD, and then add gender dysphoria on that. I mean, and I can't legally go do mushrooms if I want to. It doesn't make sense to me, but it's the world we live in, right? Yeah. All right. Off of that, we will move on to our next story. Now, if you didn't see this, now I'm a huge hockey fan, and every time we... Um, you know that hockey is a dangerous, dangerous sport. And the skate is like taking a rate. Yeah. See, my, my camera agrees. And I don't know why 
my camera keeps doing this every single week. I need to remember to figure this out. But yeah. So the skate of the blade is like a razor blade, right? So, or the, the blade of the skate is like a razor blade. And this weekend, yeah, this such a sad story. This um, young 29-year-old Adam Johnson was killed um, during a game when he was kicked in the throat. And, um, it, yeah, it cut. It, and I watched the video. I don't – actually, the video is here. I don't necessarily know if I am allowed to show this. Actually, that's not the video. Um, I don't know if I'm allowed to show the video on here, but you can go. You can go watch. You can go watch the video that's online. But it's bad. Like he, yeah, he gets. You can see the person like kick him in the throat. And he falls through the ice and you, he, when he gets up, there's just blood. He, he actually got up blood all over the ice. He's trying to skate off the ice and one of his players is holding his neck. And then the, the video cuts out. I'm assuming he, 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 he had lost so much blood right there on the ice that he had kind of passed out and, and ended up just bleeding out. And it was, it was so, it's so disturbing because now when you actually, when they slow down the video, it appears as, it appears as though the person intentionally kicked him in the throat with his blade, with his stick or with his, with his, yeah, he was like kind of on one foot and when he came up, there is a, distinct kicking motion towards his throat like a, a side a side kick and so i'm i'm, I'm a, I, I, there's gonna be an investigation into it i'm i'm sure to see i mean everybody's reporting this as a freak accident but as things as the video came out today it it doesn't it doesn't seem like it was that much of a freak accident and it was intentional and, and he could definitely be charged with uh, murder at, at some point because, you know, every, every hockey player, everybody who has ever worn skates knows that your feet are not a weapon. Like they are a deadly weapon. Like your skate blade is the, you don't go high with a skate blade. Um, and yeah, Courtney, you're right. Like, he charged him and definitely kicked him intentionally. I don't, I wouldn't say definitely when I'm watching the video, I've watched it several times just to kind of catch. There's a comment. He's like, he is falling to the side. And then when he's running into him, it's like, did he put the only thing that he could say is that he put his foot up because he was going to run into him and he was, his leg was already in the air and it was, but it looks like, yeah, his foot went up caught him in the throat and then you see him extend his foot further and so when like he caught him in the throat he pushed it and it it was it was bad i i don't know i i yeah i watch hockey a lot i've only ever seen a skate come up that high a couple times um one of them they showed in comparison 
what the difference between an accident looks like and the diff and what a uh and what intentional looks like and the accident you can actually see like the person had actually gotten knocked out was getting knocked down from behind and he his feet went up and his knees bent and it caught the goalie um under the under the under the under the pad so that's not intentional that's an accident um but this was This was bad. Yeah, I've seen I've seen also seen people kind of take skates up high into the cheek area in the NHL because they got hit into the boards like over the bench area and so when they go that they're when you're going over a a, a barrier the feet came up and actually somebody it caught caught their eye but I've never seen anything like that especially in the open ice like that. It was like completely open ice so I don't know. I I, I really don't. It's it's just such a, such a sad story and like I said, 29 years old. Form he was, he was playing for the uh, um, Pittsburgh Penguins. You know, yeah, he played for the Pittsburgh Penguins at one time. Let me see. I don't know if I can show this one either. Oh, okay. So yeah, he didn't actually put that on there. Um, yeah. Like I said, just really, really sad. And what is this? Close. Okay. So one of the stories I had listed on there too. Um, oh, let me hide that comment. One of the stories I had listed on on my, uh, yeah, I wrote a story yesterday. It's not published yet. It was about Joe Biden. Now, Joe Biden... A controversial housing sale is now starting to come back up in the news. And assumingly because, you know, they're trying to go after Donald Trump for like the housing vet. Like they're saying he he's increased the value of Mar-a-Lago um, for, I think, tax benefit reasons. I don't know what the whole deal is that they're doing with him. But this story is about Joe Biden, who sold a house in 1996 to a supporter of his which he was running for senate in 96 sold a house for a, for full price full asking price um to a supporter of his and that house he sold for 1.2 million dollars and it's only worth four hundred fifty thousand dollars more today where the housing values in that area have actually tripled so the house should actually be worth about $3 million to where it's only worth like 1.6 million. If he has sold it for, you know, if, 
if he had sold it for the proper price back then. So the concern, what kind of seems to be happening in this situation is it sounds like Joe Biden may have laundered money um, and his, him and this uh, him and this supporter of his may have violated uh, campaign finance laws in the sale of this house, right? Not to mention that Hunter Biden went to work for this man at his cre- at the at the ma- at the large credit card company that he that he um, owned, and then. Joe Biden was supporting leg- like legislation that back like that um, that even Democrats didn't agree with legislation that would have helped credit card companies in like between in the early two thousands when again Hunter Biden was working as a consultant for this agency so it really seems like this guy kind of had Joe Biden by the balls because to get kickbacks. Because he bought this house, which, if it had kept in line with housing values, would have only been worth seven hundred and fifty thousand or seven hundred thousand dollars. But it was worth. But they he sold it for one point two million, and then donated the maximum amount to his campaign, which is two hundred thousand dollars. Now, this is one of the big things that. Um, happens. You know, this is this is kind of one of those issues when it comes to campaign finances and everything like that, right? Is if you're running for office, you can donate as much money of as much of your personal money into your campaign as you want. But like the maximum donation is only like $2,000, right? So when you, but to get around that, you sell a house for i don't know 4 or 500,000 dollars more than what it's worth and you own a credit card company so credit and mortgage isn't an issue and plus you're a millionaire billionaire anyways so that's not an issue so you sell and then then the candidate then goes and takes that extra 4 or 500,000 dollars in equity that they just earned and I don't know, maybe puts it into their campaign. I'm not saying any of this is a fact, but it's something that should, should is it's worth looking into. And apparently in Delaware, this has been a controversy since the sale. So since 1996, people have been talking about the sale of this house um, every time that Joe Biden's ever run for Senate, ever run for office, they've been talking about the sale of this house and nobody's really listened to them about them. This is the first I've ever heard of it. Something shady is going on there, though. Um, it does. It's throwing up all the red flags and um, definitely deserves definitely deserves um, a little bit more scrutiny and for people to go, you know, Check it out, right? But we'll see what happens with that. Um, but y'all, I appreciate everybody joining tonight. Um, I know I'm gonna I'm gonna cut it a little bit early.
because I am tired. Um, but I will, um, I'm not sure if I'm going to have a midweek video this week. If you didn't see my video last week, please go check it out. Um, like I said, at the top of the show, make sure you go follow free the people and check out everyone is welcome. Um, they're not a sponsor of the show. I'm just their, their digital marketing manager. Um, and I think that everybody, everybody needs to go watch it. And if you watch it and you like it, please share. We're trying to get it so that everybody sees this film. It's that important so that everybody sees, you know, the triumph that one person can make. One person stood up to the DC government and by all accounts has won and is now going on the offensive against the DC government and could set a precedent that has lasting ramifications for the entire country. So go check it out. If you're in DC, go visit the big board. And if you, if you are so willing, you can also donate to the cause um, as well, as well as you can also donate to my cause because you like my show. <laughs> um, yeah, if I wasn't, um, yeah. So I definitely appreciate everybody being here. It's always a great time. I always love Mondays. Um, make sure you click that like and subscribe button. Follow me across all social media platforms and I'll see you next time.